Welcome to our podcast here at Hope United Church. To access the live stream of our services, along with other resources and information, please visit www.hopeunited.org.uk. So, just thinking about where we've been in the last few weeks with the sermons and really how phenomenal God's Word is, and it's, for me personally, and I'm sure most of these will agree, I know, I know a lot of you as well because we speak after the services, but it's like shining a, a mirror eh, back at yourself through the Word and really being challenged and sometimes being horrified at eh, how far you are for, for Christ at times. And one of the things that's really stuck with me in the last few weeks um, and something that any time I hear John 18 mentioned or preached on or spoke about or if I read anything about it will be um, the thing that the subject and following Jesus for a distance. And I wrote down a question, really, what does that look like in our lives? But probably a better question would be, how do we grow past that, that distance? That, like I think the quote was that love made Peter follow Christ, but the fear kept them at a distance. Yeah. How do we close that gap? Yeah. Uh, I think, uh, listen, I'm not the final answer. Let me just say it. We're not up here like, oh, you're Pastor Mark, the voice of wisdom and everything. Listen, there are wiser men than me who we, we just see this as an opportunity maybe to share things we don't normally share. So I'm not sitting here as a wise old owl here. I'm, I'm on the journey way. I'm, I'm literally just, I'm just a study away for what you feel on a Sunday morning. Oh, what you feel on Sunday morning, I feel on a Tuesday, Wednesday, and a Saturday as I'm preparing. I'm no further on. I don't claim to be there. I'm as, I'm as uh, unsanctified as the next person at any given point. Uh, just been doing it a wee bit longer, I think. So I never want to sit up here and uh, have this voice of wisdom. I've been at many Q&As before, and uh, certainly in the reform circles, and Sometimes nobody speaks, no, because they're, they're so humble that nobody speaks. And it's just like, just say something. I mean, be here all night, no, I'm trying to say, I don't want to help. say it. But, huh? so we, we, we came here to hear it. Ah, we did come here to hear it. I know, we know you've got humility, but say something. Mm. Um, uh, I, I think for me, as in, uh, what was the question? Really? <laughs> nah, yeah, no, <laughs> how, how do we, how do we uh, get better at it? But that, we, we do love Christ, we are following Christ. And that fear, and that was a, something that it was painful for me to hear because I, I could yeah, see it in my own life. Yeah, and I, I think we, we mentioned this when we were having a chat, weren't we? That no, and this might filter into something else. You say, I don't know, but I think for me, as in, in following Jesus at a distance, it's, it's like everything else, it's cause and effect, isn't it? You mm. need to know the cause, then the effect of that cause. So you, you first need to recognise it. You know, I, I don't know, in church, and even when we were a pragmatic church, we've always loved the truth. Uh, he's some sort or another. Obviously, we've not been totally how how we've went about it. No, obviously, with me and in my background, he's studying psychology and all the stuff that I've studied for years. No, there's there has to be this desire for truth. Mm. There has to be a desire for truth, and I, I I think in church, predominantly, you don't you don't hear that. You know, what I mean, it's, certainly in seen the Reformed Church because the majority of the Reformed Church is middle class. Okay, so much of the phone church is middle class, so people don't tend to share their flaws or their imperfections the same, so they tend not to go to town in themselves, which I find shocking, and I've said this many, many times, even when I get saved and was part of kind of more of a charismatic church, that nobody looked intently in the mirror at anything, no, or they just shabba-dabba-dooed it away, or laid hands on somebody and hopefully that made them feel better, but, so there was no really looking in the mirror intently. Um, and I think when you look at Peter's life, uh, you look at all the apostles' lives, there was a lack of looking in the mirror intently. And then as you look at them, as they become, as the Holy Spirit descends upon them, if you think he, after Pentecost, they lived a completely different life where they looked in the mirror intently. You know, and I think, I think that's okay. I think we have to encourage that. You know, um, I think people feel a lot of conviction on a Sunday. But forget about it on a Monday. Yeah. And I think because they don't stay in the pain long enough. Mm -hmm. I think you need to stay in pain for a lot longer than you. you uh, there's nothing wrong with kind of constantly. Now we're not talking about over analysing. But you have to keep on looking. 
in the mirror intently because you 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 at the man in the mirror. You you've yes. been teaching his own James, and he, he goes away and he immediately forgets mm -hmm. what sort of man he is, and that's what we're like. Uh, and I think you have to keep on looking intently. You know, you keep on uh, in order to have that intimacy with God. Mm -hmm. You have to. You have to sit in that pain and you have to be willing to, and I, I think you know so I, I was with somebody the other day on a work capacity and they keep on making mistakes They're, they don't work for me they keep on making mistakes but the thing is is they, they seem to just shrug it off as mm. no really a big deal i'm like you're far too placid about your mistakes yeah. now we're knowing about i'm the opposite i keep myself doing about everything do you know what i mean I'm, i tend to get you know keep myself too much you're doing but i think you're better virgin on that end you know it's human nature to blame and look for an easier softer option and go towards comfort and look towards something else and i think you need to spend enough time so when you hear the message or, or something or you hear god's word convicting us about you know warming ourselves at fire or whatever peter's doing and following jesus at a distance and then some of the metaphors then that we'll use in order to kind of expand in that thought. Mm -hmm. You know, you're not putting going ouch on a Sunday and still no ouch on a Monday. Uh, Do you know what I mean? I, I like to ouch to about Thursday. Mm -hmm. And the problem is that people who don't change us is or they're, they're, the process is too slow is they just ouch. They just ouch until the, the kind of severe pain goes away mm -hmm. and then they just forget about it. I've heard you mention it a few times. It's about just really looking at yourself and rather than being willing to put everything on the table uh, put everything on the table because you need to put what, what's going on you know what makes you stop following what what is it makes you follow jesus at a distance predominantly it'll be fear of people mm. fear of loss that we talked about uh lack of intimacy lack of transparency mm -hmm. you know you've got a lot of people in church we're less so but this is i'm just generalizing who don't really have anybody that tells the truth into their life mm. They don't have that. I don't know how you can possibly grow in your faith mm -hmm. without having people that tell the truth into your life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So if you've got a blind spot, you know, you want people to remind you. You don't want people that's just reminding you your, your sin. No, I don't just mean that, but you want people that's going to be in your life. So there has to be a bit of accountability yeah. in your mm -hmm. life so that you're not slipping away and mm. you no, know, and then compromise and I think as well what will stop that is, is just get people that's willing enough to tell people the truth instead of blowing smoke. Micaiah's. You need Micaiah's in your life. The story of Micaiah as we know is uh, King Ahab, Old Testament. I think it's in whatever. <laughs> King's, two kings. Two, King's Chronicles somewhere. Anyway, Micaiah was, a tr was somebody that told the truth. But, but King Ahab only had people that told him what he wanted to hear. So eventually Micaiah, he asked for Micaiah, as we know the story, and Micaiah tells the king the truth, and the king says, I, I, I told you not to ask Micaiah anything, he never tells me what I want to hear. No, 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 but he tells you what you need to hear. And I think the thing is, is that it's, it's, it's hard to follow Jesus, hard to have that intimacy with God, you need people as well. Mm -hmm. Oh, there's always thought, oh, I don't need MD, I just need Jesus, I don't need MD, I just need Jesus, I don't need MD. If you didn't need MD, we just needed Jesus, we didn't even need the apostles in the first place. So you need them, you need mm -hmm. people who's going to challenge you in a loving way, mm -hmm. I, I hold you accountable. Yeah, I, I remember the first time, the first time the word came alive to me was a sermon that you preached on that message and it's ended up becoming part of, no, testimony as I share it, but as I reflect back on my life, looking at it really, even the night that it was preached, I remember going outside and I was standing with people that I'd kind of a, always done life with for a few years or whatever. Um, who maybe were on a different path at the time and I remember the gossip train starting, the post-church gossip train starting and then I remember just kind of a, I smoked at the time, flicking my cigarette away and just says, I, I can't stand with you anymore. I says, Micaiah's in there and just told us all the truth and you are all putting them back in jail and went back into church and for me that, that week, the rest of that week I don't think, shamefully I've never read my Bible as much as I did that week, just needing more and more mm -hmm. and more and more. And I think that was the, the turning point for my life. So it just... It, Relationships are important. Aye. I think... And appreciating that, Micaiah. Absolutely. And just, you know, you need to remain in that pain long enough. Mm. No, no, I don't mean wallowing in self-pity. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because you're, oh, I've lost it. He doesn't love me anymore. Mm. I don't mean that kind of pain. I mean, the, 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 the pain of 
denying Christ. When you've sinned, you've sinned against me and me alone. Yeah. Scripture says, so we have to kind of be in that long enough. I mm -hmm. just think people don't spend enough time yeah. looking at So what was it that made you fall at a distance? Mm -hmm. Oh, it's just, well, that, that's the kind of, mm -hmm. sometimes that's the answer I get. Yeah. It's just, it's just what? It's, it's just, just cause, just cause how, just cause that's how. Well, that's not enough. Why did you follow him at a distance? Well, it was just that, and before you know it, you start selling yourself a bad idea, didn't you? It's dead mm -hmm. easy. We're, we're some sale. See, people say, I can't sell. You've been selling yourself lies all your life. Of course, mm -hmm. you're still, we're, we're all brilliant salesmen. Steve, no. tap into that, more than millionaires. <laughs> exactly. So it's that. What am I selling myself here? Why am I justifying mm -hmm. it? No, I want to delve in. I want to get to the I want to get to the understanding. And what you usually find is it'll be idol worship at some point or another. Mm -hmm. You'll be worshiping humans no, or money mm -hmm. or, or, or something yeah. like that. I think also as well as one, one thing I would say, one mere thing on this I would say is uh, there's millions of things but is uh, about holding people accountable. Mm -hmm. I think we wait too long to have scary conversations. Too long. You know, and to be honest with you, I look back at my life and I'm like, I needed a scary conversation a lot sooner mm. than what I had. And I think we wait too long to have scary conversations because you're, you're analysing, you're overthinking, you're going, well, I don't want to interfere in their life. And, and, and this is, this is, this is the, the great thing about being planted in a Bible-based membership, family, church. You sign up for it. Mm -hmm. So you've signed up for accountability. So it's, it's not something that you choose. Mm. No, you've signed up for it, so you're getting it. <laughs> uh, and, and people that don't want the truth they're grateful for it you know yeah. I, I think it's a great blessing mm. and people that just know they're that humility and saying you know what but it's hard because we come back to trust again there's yeah. a lack of trust and well that's that kind of leads on to the next question uh, that I was going to ask which is what are some of the things that can cause friction when pastoring people having a conversation and how how do you navigate the kind of Difficult relationships and conversations. Million dollar question, isn't it? <laughs> it's, it's, it's no one size fits all. That's for a start. It's no one size fits all. You have to understand where the person's at mm. first. So you can't presume. You can't presume that uh, Timothy's Paul. It's a Apollo thirteen analogy. Aye, aye. As as to be. Aye, well, that is a bit like Apollo thirteen. Have you ever seen the film Apollo thirteen? They're lost in space, eh? And they're, they're out there. They can't get home. Tom Hanks, I've called him as well, but he's out there. <laughs> he's in the Fulham, right? Tom's out there, right? I've called him long ago. But anyway, liberal nut. Anyway, but anyway, he's out there and he's... They can't get back. Mm. And then they're back in the NASA base and they're going, well, do this, do that, do that. Blah, blah. Well, nothing. That doesn't work. We, we don't have that tool on our ship. So what they end up doing is they end up analysing and saying, well, what one the ship works? <laughs> and they say, well, we've got this, and this is what's missing. And then they end up putting this stuff on the table and say, we have to make this, but we're only using this. Mm -hmm. No, and you, you can't give so many people that they've no go. Yeah. So I think you have to give people a chance to, uh, you have to know what's on, mm -hmm. you have to know what's on board them and what their capabilities is at the time. Mm -hmm. You know, there's and then try and lead them to that. So I don't think it's a one size fits all. Some people are more mature than others. And what would some of your kind of a frustrations be in, in that and dealing with people? I would say belligerent denial is the biggest. Uh, belligerent denial, uh, blame, that would be a frustration. Because mm -hmm. that's no Christ-like in any means, no matter what level of faith you've got. Mm -hmm. well, blame and uh, justification. I get the justification, but when when it when it turns on the other person, I think that would be a frustration because even at the, any level of your Christianity, that's poor. Yeah. That's a poor defence. Mm. Uh, so I think that would be that would be something. Uh, I think other things would probably fr frustrate and would be. <laughs> I sometimes see this. I, I only talk sense on a Sunday on a platform. I'm an mm. idiot every other thing. You know what I mean? See that? You know, as if I've got nothing. I don't see anything sensible. Uh, not that I'm trying to say I'm the world's mm. Mr. Wisdom here, but often as a pastor you think, oh, you, you amen that on a Sunday, but when I mm. told you something on a Monday, it didn't make any, it meant nothing. No, you're a pastor every day of the week. Ah, uh, you're, you're, mm. so you're, being, you're trying to advise and help and support, 
But understand yeah. at any given yeah. point, people are struggling. So I think what you're looking for is, for me, is, is you're just looking for willingness. Mm -hmm. It all starts with what? Just a bit of willingness. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, Willingness can go a long way, because if you're willing, you know, sometimes that prayer, Lord, I'm willing, help me. Mm. With my unwillingness. Well, I think I've heard you mention a few times, for us as elders, just kind of try to help us pastor better. As you've said, you need to realise the difference between uh, unwillingness and maybe... Disobedience. Unknowing. Unknowing. Mm. All right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there is a big difference between unwilling and unknowing. You can know no stuff. That's understandable. But unwilling means that you start hiding because mm. you're trying to defend it or yeah. justify it. I think one of the, the, the starting point has to be is you're a liar. <laughs> okay? We're all liars. Mm -hmm. Okay? Don't, don't make it. There's one. I have a guy sometimes say to me or people say to me, there's one thing about me. I always tell the truth. I says, well, that's all right because you're a pathological liar. <laughs> <laughs> we all lie, we all pull the wool over our own eyes We, we need to know that we're capably yeah. We're capably justifying mm -hmm. And you don't want to handle the pain And also as well as Our minds project To 15 different things that we could lose mm -hmm. No, no, it's projecting what we could lose It's No, it's much is it going to cost me No, you're thinking it's going to cost me No, it's always a cost It's, a, it's going to yeah. cost me Mm -hmm. Financials usually in there, mm -hmm. somewhere in the ball, in the ballpark, and uh, and you've got saving fate. So you've got all mm -hmm. that stuff, and I just think it has to just start with a bit of willingness, but also as well as repent quick. Repent quick. Mm -hmm. Don't 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 let this says don't let the sun go down your wrath. I always apologise before before you go to bed. If no, just mm -hmm. try and. Don't hold on to it for long. The longer you hold on to it, the more you sell yourself that it wasn't your fault. The more you sell yourself the idea. You have to apologise quick. And we talk about having a vulnerability hangover. Mm. Sometimes you apologise. If you need to, to apologise, you should apologise. You know, and I think that's a great blessing. To, mm. it's, it builds amazing trust. You know what? I'm sorry I got that wrong. I'm sorry. I, I overreacted there. You know, often... People, it's like, it's like a wrestling match. Well, I'm, 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 I'm actually having to, I'm having to almost kill you before mm -hmm. you actually acknowledge it. The easier you are, the quicker you are to go. You know what? I, I shouldn't have done that. Or I got it wrong. Rather than keep on selling mm -hmm. yourself. Some that I've actually wrote that you're just, perfect. <laughs> well, that's it. Uh, just for my my own learning, my own journey, and it took me so long to to learn it. But at the same time, having to remind myself of it is that sometimes my reaction or a person's reaction to correction or when somebody's bringing truth into their life can actually make things like 10 times worse. Oh. Low to proportion, as you said, you've then got to go into a wrestling oh. match before you can even... It's, I, I, if, you, if, if you ask a parent about their kids, was it what they'd done or is it how they acted towards mm. what they'd done? It's always how they reacted to it. I, I'm not bothering that you broke the plate. I'm bothering that you said it was a dog. <laughs> No, it wasn't me. There's nobody else in the house, I know. But it definitely wasn't me. No, it was you. No, it wasn't. It's the, it's the reaction that sometimes, and I think you can, you can, you can kill an argument quickly uh, when you... This is, you think he's... You know, what Christ uncovers, or, or what we uncover, Christ covers. Mm. You know, and what we... Cover Christ uncovers. Mm -hmm. Adam, why are you naked? No, we know we already. No, I'm not. No, it's like Adam. You're. It's her fault. It's her fault. <laughs> Adam, you're stunning. We are fig leaf on. It's pretty much certain that something's went down here. No, 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 uh, nothing. You know, and it, it's mm -hmm. that, and it's 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 trying. To, it can make it much easier if you're workable. You're like, yeah. no, 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 and then you go. It's the justification. Mm -hmm. Yep. The, that's that's the frustration and it's the justification that justification but that mm -hmm. comes to a trust yep. thing or I'm frightened I'll get into a row. Well that's for me it's always been or personally, but you see it in so many people, is that that instant reaction to the correction because a father wound that you've maybe got in your life and you hear an authoritative voice or tone and straight away you shut down, you go into defensive role, you turn back into the child that's denying everything and it Everything rises back up in you. How? Yeah, yeah. Father wounds are a big mm. issue in the church. Massive issue. 
and males and females. Yeah. Uh, I think when they hear a tone or a voice, I think you've got to try and say things. I've already got, I mean, even when I'm gentle, I sound angry. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So I've got that kind of voice, so it doesn't always help. But uh, I think often that people have got these wounds in their life, and I don't want to get into no psychology with us per se, but no, they have this thing. It's not just the father wound, it's the father approval. Mm. So you think you've got to approve, because mm -hmm. so, nothing will be good enough, so you, you'll not be accepted or... No, there's a kind of judgment mm -hmm. there. So any time a correction has its total devastation. Yeah. It's, the, it's not just correction and move on. It's mat the maturity in a believer is the length of time, the length of time they spend in devastation. Mm. That's your measuring line. You know, it's not the length of time you spend in the word. I know a lot of folk that spend a lot of time in the word that you, they, they, they have a meltdown, a, a, an egg. Mm -hmm falling on the floor, right? But not talking about, no, they can spend a lot of time in the word and no change. No, it's, it's how long you, it's how long you're devastated for. Mm. Often, and some people are devastated for a yeah. for a long time rather than see it as. Yeah, it's a, there's a difference between sitting in the pain and learning. Fear. There's a big difference, then, and then then either that, wallowing in self pity. Yeah, and then just no, because it, it's not really it's not so much what you've done to God. It's that how somebody feels about mm. you. you know, mm -hmm. it's, it's more about what they think about you. Yeah. And that father wound that you mentioned there is a, is a common thing. So, mm -hmm. is there, so they, they, yeah. they need to try and act perfect. Mm -hmm. well, how do you then, as a pastor, how do you then deal with that pride or that reaction? Uh, I, I think for me, as first and foremost, the work of the word. You have to allow the work of the word to speak into people's life. Just allow that time for the work of the word to speak in people's life. Also as well, as at any given point, somebody, you're going to react. Mm. No, just because you've reacted once doesn't mean to say that. It's amazing. It's amazing. Women tend to be more emotional, okay? So th that's just how it is. Women are more emotional. Men tend to go quiet when they're in the... Men tend to... just it seems to be their nature that men tend to go quiet when they've got stuff going on and women talk more. Yeah, it's kind of tends to be mm -hmm. no always. I don't want to generate, but that's kind of that, that, that's kind of yeah. what it is. So you have to you have to know that uh, you have to allow people to react as well. Mm -hmm. I mean, you kind of just sometimes we're a bit heavy-handed. Yeah. Knowing leadership, you lot like you reacted there before you know it. You're Flesh. giving them a full psychoanalytical yeah. process about why they never get a bite when they were five. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? You're like, well, you don't need to go there. You just overreacted. Mm. And you just, I think also as well as stop fixing people. Mm. Stop fixing people. Often, insecurity cannot cope with people's imperfections. Yeah. Oh, and if you're counselling people or helping people, and many is here help people, you, you just take too much responsibility mm. when you're teaching people that you think it's your fault when they're not doing well. Yeah. And therefore, you step in too much and go, mm -hmm. you know, you sometimes just don't need to say anything. I'm just going to let you be for a wee while. Often people just commit the problem. There's a 48-hour rule I can live by, right? I've lived by it for years. So if, any's, if I say he's any, he's been devastated recently. Like, I was devastated the other day, right? Okay. I'll guarantee you if you were devastated on Friday and you thought, I'll never get over it. I'm telling you that's it this time. I'll tell you two days later, you'll be, you'll be like wondering why you had such a drama. <laughs> Because things just die away. Mm -hmm. So, a help would be as, as live as if it already has. Mm. <laughs> no, we've got memories like goldfishes. Mm -hmm. And we like, no, no, this is the worst ever. No, you, uh, you, it's not the worst. No, I'm telling you, this is the worst I've ever been. What was it worse? No, no, worse than the last time. You tell me the last time it was the worst it could ever be. No, but this is that this time, this is really the worst. But worse, uh, definitely. Two days later, how are you? No bad. <laughs> You're like, you were dying two days ago. You were never getting out of it. Like, ever. No, I'm telling you, I'll never get out of it. No, I'll never get out of it. And it's as if you can't seem to tell your mind. You have to try and remember and go, I'm definitely going to get out of this. Mm. I always do. Mm -hmm. I always get out of it. So what I'm going to do is, I'm not going to react like a big crybaby the new, because I'm just going to look like a numpty when I found out that it wasn't <laughs> that bad. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it's just, just and, and, and I think that's just keeping close counsel. Mm -hmm. No, and just having 
self-control, a bit of self-control. Ah, uh, just just a bit more self-control mm -hmm. than just understanding you're not allowing your emotions and yeah. your pain. Mm -hmm. It's all right to sit in your pain and understand your pain, but not to act and react. Mm -hmm. yeah. Fit too much, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? And no, that's good. Uh, no, it's easier said than done, though. <laughs> oh, <definitely. laughs> um, well, you've, you've mentioned some last week, um, and I thought it was during the, the communion part of the service, and I thought you spoke about it brilliantly. I know it's it's something that is a very sensitive subject at times and, and hard to, to communicate and can be quite daunting for people. Um, but one of the things we've been speaking a lot about is an eldership recently is church membership and uh, church discipline and excommunication as we, we spoke about or as you spoke about last week. Um, would you be able to speak maybe just for a few minutes on the importance of that, what it looks like biblically. Um, I know we're, we're currently preparing I, a membership I, course for the I, church. So. I think when we talked about it last week, communion, excommunicate, what is excommunication? It's, you can use different scripture. Matthew 18, if your brother sins against you, approach him. If he doesn't listen, take two or more. Um, if he doesn't listen again, uh, bring it to the assembly if they don't listen again cast them out as a heathen and a tax collector no uh, and I think in church we discipline uh, if I back up a wee bit uh, in a body of believers uh, yes people are at different levels but in a body of believers you've got people you're always going to have wolves mm. amongst the sheep Okay, you're always going to have wolves. We're not talking about wounded sheep. Yeah. Okay, there's a difference. So things you don't know the difference. That's why you have to allow the wheat and the tears to grow together. You don't know the difference between a wounded sheep and a wolf, or the sheep and the goats. Mm -hmm. You don't know the difference. So at times you have to allow people to grow together. You're you're hoping for maturity. Mm -hmm. No, we, we may, everything that we've mentioned before about trying to become more sanctified. That's in us all. But within that. The devil will always place wolves within the church. And we're not talking about wolves who are heathens. We're not talking about non-believers here. We're talking about apostate. They may claim to believe but don't. Yeah. Yeah. They may claim to believe that don't are the, 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 are the greatest hindrance here. All, all the battles in, happen in the body. The devil places people yeah. inside. Obviously, but the devil intended for harm. God intended for the good for the saving of many souls. So even wolves sanctify yeah. your church. Yeah. Uh, in the modern church and in the church that we were party and involved in for years, you would never discipline MD. Because the world has hijacked the church and claimed what love is. Mm -hmm. uh, you just need to look at the, the way the government's telling you what love is a day. Yeah. Love your neighbour, roll up your sleeve. They've just, they've stole love completely. Clap the NHS. That we're Clap going to the sack NHS, they're superheroes. We've got to sack them next year. Got to sack them next year, right. So, so the, 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 they've stole all that. They've stole it. You know, so see the thing is, the, what the church then ends up thinking to challenge somebody or correct somebody. Or, now we're not talking about if you have a conversation with somebody and then they maybe, and pride flares mm. up or something like that. We're not talking about that. We're in relationship with brothers and sisters. We're not talking, we're talking about belligerent unwillingness. Yeah. No, that's a completely, belligerent unwillingness that's, and then starting to steal hearts. Yeah. Or trying to manipulate people in a certain way sometimes eventually that gets to a stage where you have to get through the process of dealing with that now in a mature church that's 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 okay to talk about people get that if the church is no mature or no mature and, and you've let's say you've got as many listen some churches have got as many wolves as they have sheep mm. <laughs> really they're that many you know there's as many wolves as they are sheep and what happens is, or, or immaturity, what happens is, is they, they, they see discipline as harsh, yeah. unloving. Uh, the, the truth is, though, and we spoke about it last week, is if you go through that and you discipline people, we had to do it recently. Uh, and uh, it's the last thing you want to do. It's, mm. it's definitely last ditch res yeah. resort. No, but it has to come from belligerent unwillingness. Mm -hmm. You know, we're not talking about a difference in opinion here. Aye. No, it's, uh, oh, well, mm -hmm. I beg to differ. Well, we're not talking about begging to differ. We're talking about after you through the process, it's been identified that, listen, you're no... Uh, Unless it's only ever a difference in opinion. Unless it's only ever a difference. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if it was only a difference here. in opinion, we'd be okay there. But mm -hmm. 
uh, sorry, I unless it's they've only ever got a difference mm -hmm. in opinion. If though, if somebody's only ever got a difference in opinion, you've just got to ask why you're here. Mm -hmm. you no, know, if you don't agree with anything, no, no, I don't agree with that. No, no you don't agree with anything. Mm -hmm. Why are you still coming if you don't agree? Yeah. No, uh, under the guise that I'm pretending to agree. Mm -hmm. So eventually, excommunication. Uh, Jonathan Edwards is uh, he does the greatest teaching on this I've ever heard. Um, the, the great philosopher mind, he, he Jonathan Edwards talks about it. And what's the meaning behind it? Why would you cast somebody out as a tax collector? Or eventually, the, the, the meaning, the reason you would is, is this. Yeah. You can't allow a wolf to walk about your church. Mm. Stealing hearts. Uh, just, it's just devastating. But also as well as you want, they're no saved, so you want them to come to know the Lord. Mm. The, the big problem is in the church, in the modern church, is people, ch people are serial church hoppers. Okay? Now, I'm not talking about somebody that's in a church and they decide to move on. I totally get that. Maybe somebody been in a church, they've kind of fell away from God, they come in. A, I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about people that are serial church hoppers. They come into church, they act devoted, they act like super duper mm. Christian on speed. Uh, uh, then eventually the cracks, because often what happens is, is people paint a picture, don't they? They, mm -hmm. they paint a picture of their wonderful life, and then what happens is, is the the boundary starts to, the weeds start to flow into your area of life, so therefore you have to then start saying, as a pastor or as church or through the word, you know, we say, look, it's came to your attention, these are things that we think that, you, that could be addressed, things that could get better in your life. Areas that I think you need advice on. Because uh, you, you get people in church and they never take advice ever. They'll mm -hmm. sit under the word and never yeah. take advice. And I'm thinking, you're, not, that, you're wondering why not, there's no change. You're yeah. not taking any advice. Mm -hmm. no, because they're no interest in advice. They're just interested in telling you what conclusion they've came to. It's usually, <laughs> usually teamed up with no, no evidence of repentance. Often that. In, in that case, there, in that case, there's no evidence of repentance. So... What ends up happening is you have to then deal with that. The point about excommunication is, is this is where it gets devastating. You have to let the church know who the person is. That's, you have to let the church know who the person is. Um, and the reason you have to let the church know who the person is is for two reasons. You have to hope that they will pray for that person and come and know the Lord. That's the predominant thing I they need to know. And secondly, so that they can have their heart protected. No, uh, if you look at the the prodigal, the father, the, he, he, the son just decided in the prodigal. We know it's a it's a parable. It's a parable. It didn't really happen. You know, somebody says, "Well, where's the son?" I say, "The son's no anywhere." Well, where's the brother? He's no anywhere. They don't exist. You know, it's a parable. But but the story really tells of a son who decides he no want to follow God or his ways anymore. Cassie's on his chips. Goes and spends his money in wild living. He's, he's always going to meet people who's up for that. But the father's always got a heart for him. But the father doesn't go after and facilitate his life. One of the things that's very, very common in church, and this is where we need to watch our own heart, is, is Jonathan Edwards says you have to have a benevolence for somebody without having a complacency. No. Mm -hmm. Often what happens is we can forgive but in the church, you're often taught, the devil teaches this. It's not the word that teaches it. The devil teaches you, you need to forgive and forget and continually include. Why does the devil want you to forgive and forget and continue to include? So that, so that his slaves can run riot in the yeah. church. So forgive, forget and keep including. Forgive, forget and keep including means we need to keep on dealing with this difficult will for this difficult person. So, which is really bad for the church yeah. so the person's better being cast out into the world you pray for them but they need to feel the weight of being away from God mm. one of the big mistakes that people make and I used to talk about this is people party with prodigals okay partying with prodigals is, is that you're making it really really you think it's love it's, it's, you've been wrong doctrine it's, it's wrong doctrination to believe that you think you're loving an excommunicated person by doing life with them going for a meal with them mm. Uh, going shopping with them, just buying them stuff, being loving. You think you're going to win them that way. That is not mm -hmm. biblically accurate. That will not work, mm -hmm. ever. 
Because what you're doing is you're giving them the benefits of behaving like a Christian without ever having to submit. So they're getting all the benefits without the truth. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So that, that's the whole point. You know? So when you say um, that somebody's excommunicated or they've been cast out or they're no longer part of the church. In the modern church problem is, is this, and this is really sad. Uh, uh, I would love churches not to do it, but unfortunately they're going to do it because there are too many needy mm -hmm. pastors who doesn't care whether they're a wolf as long as there's another family, on the, on the, another family in the pew. You know, and they'll probably be fine when they come for a wee while anyway. They always are. But what happens is, you've now got that wolf now moving on to another church because they just didn't fit in there. In the 17th, 16th century, in bi biblical times, that wouldn't have, been, that wouldn't have happened. Yeah. Everybody knew who Alexander the Coppersmith was. Because yeah. Paul wrote to them. Beware of Alexander the Coppersmith. If you think, that's very unloving saying their name. Think of Alexander the Coppersmith. Apostle Paul says, I'm warning you about Alexander the Coppersmith. He's caused me nothing but trouble. Yeah. And he's roaming about here going to cause you nothing but trouble. So we need to understand that so we can have a benevolence praying. But on the same note, know that, because you end up having this miserable comforter mm. who's, who's bringing... That means you, you shouldn't ignore the person mm. if they've got needs or health needs or family. Still giving them Christian fellowship. You're, you're giving them your Christian value, but they don't. But they forfeited the right to the Christian benefit. Yeah. And that's vital. And if they, if they don't forfeit the right to Christian benefit, what would ever convict them anyway? Mm. One of the things that stuck out to me when I read that. I hope that makes sense. Was, was, when Jonathan, was when Jonathan Edwards said about it's that distance and that lack of fellowship. They, they need to have that in order so that they can feel that pain and that distance with God, which then might bring repentance. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. If you... Listen, I get into a lot, a lot of trouble about this statement years ago, right? And it was totally out of context. And the statement was called... The post I wrote was called The Pain of Disobedience. Right. Awesome. Pain of Disobedience. Now, it's a no-brainer. It makes sense to us, doesn't it? didn't make sense to the authorities that wanted to jail me, you know what I mean? So the pain of disobedience is simply this. For every bit of disobedience is always what it cause you pain. See this here, in all fairness, right? I hurted my knees so I'm not exercising the same, that's my excuse. <laughs> There's a pain of disobedience here, okay? The pain of disobedience is, is some of my shirts are hardly fitting me the now. That's a pain of disobedience, okay? Let's just call it for what it is, okay? There's a pain of disobedience. If you don't exercise, there's a pain of disobedience. If you keep eating fish suppers when you should be eating thrills, <laughs> there's going to be a pain of disobedience, isn't there? But we don't want that pain of disobedience. So excommunication is a pain of disobedience. It's the pain that comes through disobedience. But see, the thing is, we don't live in a world with that. We live in a world where you don't want to do that. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm, I'm a girl when I say I'm a girl. I'm a boy when I say I'm not. There's no disobedience. Nothing's disobedience now. Everything is just choice. Mm -hmm. Your truth. It's your truth. No, there's no, it's not your truth, it's the truth. Mm -hmm. And I think because there's no pain in any disobedience. Yeah. I, mean, I was a difficult child. Just to let you know, I was no. a nightmare. Huh? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I was a difficult child, I really was, and I'm grateful for the, I, I, I'm grateful for the it's often the pain of that disobedience at times, you know, with what I suffered through or what I lost out on. I just don't think we do that. Church is reward-based, isn't it? It's all reward-based. It's gift, 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 gift. No. There's no... There's no. And then this is why you, this is why so many churches are called a cult. Or you, or you see this, oh, toxic leadership. No, and I think there is toxic leadership there, but it's exaggerated to death. And it's because, all right, so somebody told you something that you... You didn't like. I think when you're, when you're calling biblical leadership toxic, the problem lies at your own your own door. Yeah, John MacArthur says the church is the greatest, the biggest cult in the world. Then, isn't no. it? <laughs> if it's a cult, mm -hmm. but that's that's yeah. always the language of people who mm -hmm. who who, who can submit. And it's, I think usually when you see that, it's usually in some that I know that other people believe in the church as well. It's usually evidence that do you know what they were right. Yeah, well, I, I, and I think the thing is, submission has been hijacked as well. Oh, mm. oh, I'm not submitting. Submission, are you trying to... Submission's got nothing to do with control. Scripture says submit to one another. Mm -hmm. It's a level, it's a mutual submission. It's a bit of humility. The, the, truth, the truth be known is, the, the, 
the, the pastors and the ministers I look to are much more submissive to the congregation, their congregation never are to them mm -hmm. about what they put seriously. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. One of the things you mentioned there when you were you were speaking about wolves kind of a, still roaming about the church, I think it ties into something that you were speaking to myself and Fraser about recently. Um, something you've been reading to John Bunyan's uh, and his journey where he came to church but he wasn't actually saved so he was roaming about for a period of time in church looking like a Christian but no actually saved. Yeah, that's Grace Abounding to the Chief of mm. Sinners is the book that he's wrote to John Bunyan if you ever want to read Bunyan's autobiography. Uh, it's my favourite <laughs> the day. Right. I've always got a favourite, it's my favourite. John Bunyan, Chief of, uh, uh, Grace Abounding, the Chief of Sinners. Un unlike Pilgrim's Progress, but it's very metaphorical, it's like a biblical version of the Lord of the Rings or something like that. He's in that kind of thinking, where he talks that people have got different names and you know, honesty, and he meets up with truth, and then he meets up with... And it's all that, and it's kind of... It's, it's astounding, really. But, but his book, uh, great, he's, he's, he's teaching on grace abounding to the chief of sinners is about him. Yeah. And, and what happened with Bunyan was, is Bunyan was a tinker, he was a, didn't he come from, came from real poverty, real poverty, which was unusual for somebody to come from such poverty, be, become so educated. Uh, and he was such an intelligent man, so he was the kind of tinker. And then you've got, compared to the other Puritans who were highly educated and came from very middle class, highly educated families, Bunyan never. But anyway, when Bunyan gets, in the process of John Bunyan being saved, he, he, he went to church and loads of things happened externally dead quickly. So he looked to part. And what happened is he fell in love, if you like, with the part that people thought he was better than what he was. Uh, so people were saying, look at that John Bunyan, he's, he's amazing, he's changed, his language has changed, he was, how he talks has changed, he doesn't seem this. But Bunyan knew within himself that there was no change within, he was yeah. still, so he was able to act, mm -hmm. he was able to act more like a Christian than he could ever live. Learning behaviour. He'd learned, he'd learned to behave. And I, I would say that's a problem in the church, that people mm -hmm. have learned, and that's why you need to, that's why it has to be the work of the word because yeah. if, if you build a reward-based church you just need to go listen as children you, if any you know that did you know what you needed to do to get what you wanted i knew how i needed to act but it didn't mean anything mm -hmm. you know i'm sorry not the least bit sorry i'm sorry i knew i wasn't you know what i mean just to get what i wanted well, there's a lot of kids right now trying to behave their way into the the good list, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> Naughty but nice. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, so it's, it's, it's that, and, and, and Bunyan lived an external life of looking like a Christian, mm -hmm. but inside he was nowhere near about, even God was using that, mm -hmm. and his providence, which is awesome as well. So yeah, It needs to be about that soul transformation rather than conditions, rather, back to the psychological language, but changing your condition rather than your, your circumstances. circumstances absolutely but Bunyan loved the praise that he was getting that he was he loved the praise of men mm. telling them he's doing fantastic <laughs> oh, I've seen that John Bunyan up the street today he's just doing amazing he loved all that I can't like, relate to that at all <laughs> <laughs> that Callum's doing amazing you're like I, 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 when you seen him yeah, should have seen him on Wednesday <laughs> <laughs> should have seen who, who are you when no one else is watching mm. Mm. there's a statement in it mm. So mm -hmm. I, yeah, what? Well, <laughs> <laughs> we've not got long left now, so I, I'm, I think we'll take it on to something lighter. Lighter for you, maybe no lighter for. We don't like, like, we, we are quite, if you're not quite new here, we love to gear sell a doing. <laughs> I, I, I was a bit reluctant. <laughs> I love it, it's ouchy. I like it, ouchy. It needs to be that though, innit? John MacArthur was asked, what's your, I say it all the time, what was your 50 years of ministry? It's his constant hatchet job. Constant, constant hatchet job of just crucifying the flesh. Well, with that in mind, why don't we talk about idol worship? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. People don't seem to realise that everything boils down to idol worship. Correct. Yeah, people please. Almost everything. Everything. Aye. Yeah, whether it's financial. Idol of like choice. Aye. Mm -hmm. Can you explain how we could maybe, as we're maturing believers, how to better recognise that in ourselves? so that we can then 
start to deal with it. You need to ask, so what, what's idol worship, you know? It's mm. like, I think it's anything that, anything that stops you freely following Christ. If you talk about following Jesus for a distance, if you talk about Peter, for instance, because that's mm. where we've been, uh, Peter wore when he sailed at the fires, idol worship in a sense. Mm -hmm. he's, he's caring more about men. Oh, scripture says, not that I'm trying to please men, but God to test my heart. Mm. Uh, and I think that the idol worship is anything that we put in place of God. Yeah. Uh, sometimes we don't recognise it as idol worship. Obsessing mm -hmm. about what people think about us, it's idol worship. Obsessing about money, idol yeah. worship. Sometimes we don't think it's money. We're selling uh, ourselves a bad idea again. Uh, uh, just saying it's no. No, it's not. It's nothing to do with money. No, I often hear people talking to me about their problems at work. I'm like, if you boiled that down, you're terrified of getting paid off because of money. No, it's got nothing to do with money. No, trust me, it's got plenty to do with money. Mm -hmm. uh, so that that that's a big thing. Yeah. That, that, no, mm -hmm. so that's an idol that we would yeah. have. Uh, so again, it's about going to town on yourself, not just looking looking intently in the mirror and just. Uh, I'd be willing to look in the mirror then. Sit with that uncomfortable fact that we're a lot worse than what we think we are. Aye, well, that's it. We are a lot worse than what we think we are. And, and, that, and, and that's, that's what's amazing about God's grace. Mm. There's nothing in his good except which is in Christ. Yeah. I think the problem is idol worship is also thinking that you're better than yourself. Mm. I know a lot of people that's idol worships themselves. Yeah. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? If they were chocolate, they would eat themselves. You're like, you think you're fabulous. So it changed the, <laughs> the last part of James chapter 1. It's like some people look in the mirror. And then when they walk away, they forget what they look like. And it's surprising because they've been looking in the mirror that long. <laughs> <laughs> it's very narcissistic. <laughs> you know what I mean? mm. Enough about me. Let's talk about me. Mm. You know what I mean? It's just like, it's like constant. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and you get to see that in people's lives, you know. And I think as a church, we have to challenge that. And mm. in individual conversations, we have to challenge that. Sometimes we do it as, as elders. We're together. We get that kind of sarcastic humour. You know what I mean? So I think the thing is, one of the things that's good about idol worship is, as we call it for what it is. Mm. So we all have different, we've all got different feelings. And I'm talking about the elders here. I know they'll no mind us talking about this. So we always talk about, as we're talking about what, what their flaws are. They never tell me what mine is. It's, well, they did, but I hit my back usually. <laughs> but uh, So uh, listen, I don't mind saying this. We'll just be dead. You say it's a bit more lighthearted. Well, so we'll say that Fraser knowledge makes them feel really approved. Do you know what I mean? So, see if you've read a book, it doesn't matter if Fraser's got the book, he's got the book. <laughs> right? So he's got that thing going on now. He's like, that's a great book, that. Have you got it? Oh, great book. No. He just <laughs> he just wants to be part of that, Fraser. That's that's approval addiction you've got going on there. Sorry, mate. And we kind of call it for what it is, but we have a kind of... It was funny when it happened with the football. We were talking, I think they were talking World Cup. And you came in and asked if it was about Rangers or Motherwell or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's just that need for knowledge, so you call it out. Uh, uh, Andrew, Andrew, one of the elders is young. Uh, uh, Andrew's, Andrew's uh, quite simplistic. And he's, and he's, he likes his superlatives. He likes his superlatives. So, so we can call out on each other, James, you know what I mean? If you get more three words out of James, you're doing well. You know what I mean? So it's just... just I think calling that out in each other's lives. No, you can, I don't mean it needs to, it doesn't need to always be serious. Mm. Sometimes you can, and I think that gives you a bit of ownership. Mm -hmm. And having that trust with each other, that we, we can have the conversations and when it needs to be serious, it can be serious when it needs to be uh, Absolutely. But on, on a serious note, people, the lack of freedom for people is the worst and the most common idol that every human being has. Don't have, any freedom for people whatsoever. We become a... See if you want to know, why it, where's the root of that? Well, the root of it's sin. The root of it's when Adam ate the apple. But, but if you look at where a lot of that comes to us, is a lot of people are brought up in a home that's non-Christian home. Okay? And if you're brought up in a non-Christian home, you've been taught that people are the most important thing. You're not taught God's the number one thing. You're taught people are the number one thing. And even if you're not taught that people are the number one thing, you're observing continually. All you're seeing is a father that's obsessed with self. Mm. You know what I mean? Uh, a mother that's too busy looking for love in order to give love. All that sort of stuff. Pre-consumed neglect. Mm. Like you'd maybe call it in psychology. All, all that stuff forces and, and installs into a human being that humans are the number one thing. No. 
Whereas if you're brought up at home, I'm not saying that this is a, a surefire sense that, because there's election, I'm not saying that this is a surefire sense that you're not going to have idol worship, but there's less, mm. you're going to be more equipped to know idol worship when... Helps with your sanctification and your maturity. John McCaffrey's wife was asked a question, I remember it, and it was a Q&A thing, she wasn't on the platform preaching, but she was asked a question, she says, what would you say if one of your kids came home with a tattoo? And honestly, you would think she would, you would think that when the person asked him a question, you think they'd invented fire. She says, I've no idea why my, one of my kids would ever come home with a tattoo. No, we're not talking about tattoos here, right? So here or no, but I think the point the woman was making is I believe that she was taught. We no always have that. We're mm. first generation believers, but I think they were taught the fear of God. Yeah. For an early age, mm. the love of God, the fear of God. That, that, that God was above man. Yeah. Now it's hard. Now you maybe teach, you might be in a Christian home and you teach, you think you're teaching their kids that God's above man. But you're melting at every problem you've got. Yeah. And kids don't just observe by their eyes. Mm. They, they, they see it in your actions. So before you know it, you're, you're an adolescent and you're obsessed with people. Mm. You're totally obsessed yeah. with what people think about you. And it's been learned. Mm -hmm. it's, been, it's been taught. And it's been drummed into you because yeah. your mother can't get over spilling milk or, mm -hmm. or, or she's having a problem at her work and we tend to offload just in life. Mm -hmm. And before you know it, your kids are obsessed with people. Yeah. Um, that's where idol worship, mm -hmm. that's, where it, that's where it really, really stems from and is rooted. And mm -hmm. no, if you see a parent, if you see your dad coming home from work constantly, constantly talking about his work, or not being able to deal with somebody in work, or trying to solve every problem yeah. or something, you're going to become obsessed with people. Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll, I'll say this, this is really comforting on a Sunday night. This is worth your admission money, you'll probably kill me after this. Yeah. If you find you, any of your kids are a bit too obsessed with people, so are you. Mm -hmm. Okay, so, no. if you find they're a bit obsessed with people, so have you been. You know, and that's not to blame. When I was a child, I thought that child, but when I became a man, I put away childish ways. We have to mature and then deal with that. You know what I mean? But but th that that's that adds another layer on to trying why we should be trying to recognise it and grow past it so that we can then yeah grow. Yeah. Aye, and, and I think it's hard in a church, a first generation church, because we've got parents in here. They get saved when their kids are now teenagers, mm. or you didn't know any better. Mm -hmm. And now you look back and laugh, you're like, oh no. And then you start to see it. You're like, I can see my poor parent and then my kids, or I can see. Where I never taught them right in your kids. And we, we, we want to have grace towards that. You want to understand. The best answer always is this. I was brought up in a heathen home. We know values where I've got parents are totally obsessed with self. We know overcoming abilities. I would say almost zero overcoming abilities whatsoever. And I still get saved. So, so you're not going to be responsible for them not being saved. But there is stuff that would help them. Yeah. And that mm. kind of process, you know what I mean? So, mm -hmm. it's, it's a... Uh, well, we probably get time for one more before, before we finish. And it's it's an important one. I'm glad we actually kind of went back into this. And it's it's really about discernment. And obviously we're speaking there about learning about idol worship, how we spot it. But discernment and uh, growing in discernment and wisdom as believers, as maturing believers, that's something that we should really be growing in. Yeah every day um, what are some of the obstacles that we can face well, well why don't I ask you the question is what's discernment then as you see it discernment to me is having learned is it's definitely not something that's beamed in for the sky mm -hmm. uh, and is um, discernment to me is godly wisdom to, to, to discern truth from false mm. eh? To discern truth from false, to discern right from wrong, to to discern what's going on. Yeah. No. Sometimes you you you'll see that oh God, you can discern, you can just mm. spot what's going on, you know, for fifty yards in the dark. You know, you seem to be able to capture the essence, to spot the lie, to spot the decoy, whatever it is that's going on, mm -hmm. to learn to discern what's going on. Uh, in, in the modern church, often, and in the, in the charismatic church, they've convinced everybody that discernment's beamed in, as if it's, some people have got discernment, some people have no. Mm. Uh, everybody, everybody can learn discernment and learn to discern. Uh, Proverbs 20 verse 5 says, 
The counsel of a man is a depotion, but there is a man of understanding that will draw it out. Yeah. Okay, so really, to, to learn to discern is, is to first go to town on yourself and mm -hmm. you start to spot things, start to learn things, start to become aware of what's going on. How, how, do, we, how do we learn that ourselves? was the question. It really, really ties in with sitting and being willing to sit in pain and look at yourself intently. Aye, looking yourself intently, uh, learn to... Uh, yeah, you said something else there in the question, what was it? Um, which some obstacles? That uh, I think I think it comes. It's that I don't frightened. Frightened to be imperfect is mm. a is a sign. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm. No, no willing to face things, fear of loss. So you have yeah. to be willing. And you have to constantly gaining that maturity through your own trials and hacking away at your flesh. Who we who we living for? Mm -hmm. Who we living for? What's who we living for? Christ and Him crucified. Mm -hmm. You know, and we resolve to know nothing. Paul says except Christ and Him crucified. And I think it's learning to deny. Yourself, your selfish ambition, uh, capture your thoughts. I think as well as I would say this is, stop wowing on a Sunday. As if it was, and, and then no spending any time mm. thinking about, what, back again, thinking about what wowed you on the Sunday. What devastated you on the Sunday? Mm -hmm. Maybe you need to spend a wee bit more time thinking about it on Monday. Yeah, how to apply that. <laughs> you know, and I just think sometimes that happens and it's like, mm -hmm. so here you are in a situation next week. Here you're in a situation next week. The word spoke to you last week through the word that you were really convicted about your condition last week. You're now in the perfect situation to apply that next week. Then you talk to somebody and say, well, how did you go? I didn't even think, I didn't even apply that. And it's much. This is what Jesus, this is what, this is what Christ says. He says, there are two men, right? No, I'll paraphrase it. There are two men. I can't remember. I think it might be in Matthew or something. It's in one of the Gospels. And uh, he says, there are two men and he says, somebody says, yes, I will, and then doesn't. Mm. And then somebody says, they won't and then do. What one done the will of the Father? Them who said no, but did. Mm -hmm. No them that said did and then yeah. didn't. Yeah. And I think it's that. I think mm -hmm. discernment comes from, we, we, we gain discernment when we take on board what we've heard. Mm -hmm. And then you try and apply it into the next situation so you need to you need to know that God's constantly guiding us yeah. you know and, and, and if the word's affecting you which is wonderful the word should always affect some people are, I'm always astounded about how unaffected people are with the word you know mm. uh, less so here but I'm like, sometimes talk to people I'm like you must have been listening to a different message you know <laughs> no, you want people to be deeply affected by what they hear but to use who are deeply, which is Moses, who are deeply affected by what you hear. You want to go and spend some time thinking about why you were affected and what you were affected by. Mm. And no wait to the next week and you go, no, I never applied that. Mm. No, I never used that. I never, I never used that next week. No, I never used that in my situation with my difficult mm. family or in my work. I never used any of it. Yeah. And I think if you start, if you don't use it, you lose it kind of thing. If you keep on applying it into your life, I think discernment comes and then you start to spot. Yeah. You start to see that in other people mm -hmm. because you're sharing, you, you've went to town in yourself. Yeah. Mm -hmm. more, and it's, it's not a rocket, it's no, it's no beam down, it's no rocket mm -hmm. science. It's just learning to uh, capture thoughts yeah. and, and deal with stuff. Oh, that's great. Well, I've got just a minute left. Um, so just to, to close, a lot of time we can speak about where we've still to grow in and where we've still to kind of a, to be as believers and where we've still to get to. But as a pastor, can you see the church maturing? No. Is there any, no, hope? Is there any hope for us? <laughs> of course I can. In what, no. what areas can you see? Shocking. No, no change whatsoever. <laughs> uh, yeah, the work of the word, isn't it? Mm. It's the work of the word. John MacArthur says it's the work of the word. You just see the word working in people's life continually. I think we don't see change in ourselves mm. in it. That, I think that's a thing. We don't see change in ourselves. And no, we don't want to discourage people. Yeah. We don't want to over encourage people. I think the thing is, one of, I, 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 one of the guys that mentored me and uh, has obviously went in a different direction. One of the things that I was grateful for is, is they encouraged me enough. Encouraged me enough to keep going and keep pursuing stuff, but he never encouraged me that much that I depended on it. Mm. And sometimes you can over encourage the point of view that yeah. they depend on the encouragement. You feel as if you can't do anything unless you're mm. being encouraged. You want to encourage people, to, but know that much 
they, they, they depend on encouragement alone. Uh, and I think, you no, know, it says in, uh, in John MacArthur's church, pretty much everywhere, um, it's the work of the word. Mm. And the work of the word starts to sanctify people's mm. life. And then as everybody starts maturing, there's less distance between, there's less distance between in a church that's no preaching the word, you'll probably find that the distance between everybody is greater as far as sanctification goes. Mm -hmm. oh, so you've got all different levels, and that's okay, but you've, the distance is, is, is very expansive. If you, if you read Nehemiah, one of the things about Nehemiah, it's, it's an amazing leadership book, and I know time's gone. In the book of Nehemiah, if you ever want to read about leadership and how Nehemiah tried to rally people together, mm. uh, no. It says that Sanballat, the Amorites and the Ashidites conspired to create confusion amongst the people, but Nehemiah brought them together yeah. and made them as one. So I, I think when you see, I, I think what I see here is, and obviously we've been through so many changes, is, is there's a oneness. Mm. It's in Christ's prayer, in it? May we be one as he and the Father yeah. are one. So there's less differences between us. Mm. You've got to remember in the modern church, everybody wants to be individually amazing. They're looking for individuality. Mm -hmm. They're looking for people to stand out from the crowd and be. And the reason is, is because the pastors are, super, the, the pastors are celebrity. Mm. And because the pastors are celebrity, you want to see pockets of celebrities everywhere. Mm. You know, whereas that's no, that's nothing to do. Mm -hmm. No, if we're all becoming like Jesus, guess what? We're all becoming like Jesus. Mm -hmm. I'm becoming my own version of Jesus. But no, want you to become your own version of Jesus. We want you to become Jesus' version of Jesus. Mm -hmm. Thank you. <laughs> but I'm the in version of Jesus, you know, and in the modern church everywhere, what's your gift? Mm. No, it's like, it's like somebody Hollywood, what's your dream? What's your dream? No, we're, we're not born about what your dream is, but uh, your dream is to become like Christ. Uh, in the modern church, they're trying to give you a career. Uh, well, what is it you want to do? Well, I'm a painter, well, let's become a painter. I don't care if you're a painter. It's irrelevant. It's, a, it's irrelevant what you do for a living in church. Totally irrelevant. Mm. I mean, that's why we don't you know people are. I look at Pioneer and I go, what do you do for a living? And I know James can teach and Andrew's an engineer. We've got hairdressers. Guy that reads books. <laughs> <laughs> Bruce is an architect, draftsman. Matthew's an architect. Uh, Ailish and a couple of people. Vanessa, uh, they homeschool. Sandy's a fisherman. My sister works in a biscuit factory. My brother-in-law sells dodgy cars. <laughs> no, he sells, he sells red car. My, 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 my nephew always liked this. He does forward dokies. <laughs> he does like health and fit. He does health and fitness. I just say he does forward dokies. It's health and fitness he does. Yeah. Babs is studying in accounts. And then you've got the... So we've, we've, got, all, we've got all different people. Donna works in the church predominantly. Vicky works in, in, in social care. We've got nurses, pharmacists. It's irrelevant. Mm. It's totally irrelevant. And it, we, that's what we do, but it's not who we are. We're, we're one in Christ. So when you come to church, who you are or who you know is irrelevant. Yeah. No, it, it doesn't matter. We're no, we've not got a hierarchy here. You know, so... Because mm. we're all slaves to Christ. See, the cross is a great leveller. Mm -hmm. The cross is a great leveller. What you do for a living or what you don't do doesn't matter. Uh, and we're not trying to get you to become a better joiner. Or a better electrician. Or a better school teacher. Or a better pharmacist. Mm -hmm. Just trying to become a better Christian. Mm -hmm. And wherever you are, just be that in, in that place. Mm -hmm. So I think what's happening in the churches is that's becoming re irrelevant. I will say this, and I know we need to wrap up because of people watching the kids. What we've seen happening in the churches is that is how people's careers have changed. And it's not so much that they've changed career. You know, people don't work Sundays. Mm. Just don't work Sundays. You know, I need to work a Sunday. You don't. You don't. You know, see if you, tr see if you don't. No, but uh, but it's, part, it's, ama it's amazing. You'd be amazed. Mm. You would be amazed about when you have a desire for God, how he can open doors and make things yeah. happen. In that sense, so that you can serve him. I know people are in different roles and different jobs. I get that. But see the thing is, see if you're committed to Christ completely, mm -hmm. he will make a way for that, absolutely. That's where I'll be, that's where I might be a bit charismatic, he certainly will make a way um, in order for you to serve him completely. And 
I see that in the church. No, well, we've went for a house group and we exploded as a church, became probably one of the fastest growing churches in Scotland. Really, we were. No, we were no, and then to everything in between, to being like a zoo, to being full of non-believers, to being crazy. Then in the last four years, obviously becoming reformed is what we are and my sheep will hear my voice. Mm. So there, I, I, see mass, I, see, I see massive changes in people. I don't like to overpraise people for the platform because I, 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 I don't think it's good because see if then they mess up, people are surprised. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I will say this, no, I've got to know Angela and Gordon just a bit recently. I'm getting to know them better. I know, and I, I know I don't like to praise people and I'm not going to. I just see a change in a beautiful way. Mm -hmm. Just in that, I just, just subtly and that's wonderful. Mm -hmm. And that's, that, that's so encouraging. And what it is is just building trust, building relationships. But then I've also seen people coming here for a while and you go, <laughs> time for a sharp edge as well, you know. So it's, it's, it's everything in between. So yeah. no, no, we're, we're all growing and we're all learning together. We're saying sorry quicker. Mm. Yeah. And, and people are changing and people are growing and it's, it's, it's amazing it's amazing to see mm. uh, and we love the word didn't we mm. we love the word and that's why we're here so amazing mm. thank you oh, you're no changing whatsoever but it's just a nightmare I must be so frustrated <laughs> <laughs> no. I, I, just to say I know, I know you said at the start that you're not the, the picture of wisdom and stuff like that but I really for me this is the first time I've done this but for me as somebody who sits and and listens to this type of thing, the, the depth that you go to and the welly of wisdom and discernment that you've got because of the, obviously because of the word, but because of the work that you've done in yourself and you can hear in what you say and see in your life that you, you've lived sitting in the pain, you've lived changing the soul rather than the appearance and I just want to thank you because thank you. getting to hear that and, and I just think it's so beneficial for, beneficial for us as the congregation well, so I'm glad and I'm, I'm hoping this is beneficial because mm. see if this isn't beneficial we'll do something else <laughs> on a Sunday night we shake it up a wee bit but I think it is it, you get to hear things that no and please we, we don't tend to do Q&A's you know much because people ask questions that they don't want to ask mm. like, you don't really know you want to ask that question <laughs> you just feel as if you've got to ask a question no uh, uh, by all manner of means if you have got questions you want to ask or just ask no, whether it's even if it's about the word or something. He's a bit advanced, so Fraser can study it. Text them into the no, church. <laughs> Text it in. If there is any questions that you need to ask, mm. no, please feel free to, to come and ask that. Yep. We're going into Christmas season, aren't we? So, uh, and that's beautiful as well. It's crazy. Uh, and, and, at the same, and at the same time, and uh, I'm glad that we're in a church today where I don't need to tell you to be over careful. Mm. We used to be such a dysfunctional church that you'd be like, oh, Christmas is going to, half the people are not going to be back in January. We're going to lose half the people in January because they're going to be out partying. Oh, you're black. Oh, that? So you have to watch, you're like, they'll Sorry. not be back. What? Sorry. Sorry. It won't harm here because we build our life around about God and we build our life around about church, you know. It's many, that's what we're doing today. We're building our whole life around about church. Your whole life. See when you see somebody, see when you see somebody as church and God secondary to their life. Trouble. Trouble. Oh, first God, first seek the kingdom of God and all his righteousness. Mm -hmm. And all these things will be added to you. Yeah. God first. People say, how do you balance your life between God and work? But I don't have a balance. I don't have any balance in my life. God first, second, third. Fourth, and, he's, and he filters into every part of your life. And God should be in every area of your life, mm -hmm. not just certain, certain areas, otherwise yeah. you're following them at a distance. Mm -hmm. Thank you for joining us for our podcast here at Hope United Church. If you'd like to get in touch or for any more information, please visit www.hopeunited.org.uk.